That's, uh, that's Spartacus we're hearing in the background, and that means that it's time to take out our glass onion, Jay, and take a peek through that glass onion and see all the stuff that is out there about this song. Yeah. So much. I'm gonna start with a, I'm gonna start with a quote. I have, look at all these, I have so many notes here. Yeah, mm. there's some interesting stuff on this one. I'm opening with a, uh, imagine I'm Paul McCartney. I was sitting at the piano, you know, when I thought of it, Paul remembers. Just like the comedian Jimmy Durante, the first few bars just came to me and I got this name in my head, Daisy Hawkins. She picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been. Those words just fell out like stream of consciousness snuff, stuff, but they started to set the tone of it all because then you have to ask yourself, what did I mean? It's a strange thing to do, you know, most people leave the rice there unless she's a cleaner. You had to say cleaner like McCartney, like a cleaner. So there's a possibility she's a cleaner in the church or is it a little more poignant than that? She might be some lonely spinster of this parish who's not going to get a wedding, and that's what I chose. So this song became about all the lonely people. Wow. Yeah. Talking, of course, about Eleanor Rigby, Jay. So much stuff out there. So we'll just kind of start with our opening thoughts. Tell me, when I say the name Eleanor Rigby, what comes to your mind, my friends? You know, it... it, it I talk about this fairly regularly about hearing the Beatles when I was little. And so um, this song, yeah. I, I don't know where, this song might be right next to Yellow Submarine on the Red album, the best of 62 to 66. Mm -hmm. And so as a youngster yep. listening to those songs, and I'm talking like five years old, those songs are pretty, uh, they're pretty visual, both of them. In, in, yeah. It, in opposite sides of the spectrum, really. You know, you're, here's this happy yellow submarine yeah. song with, oh, it's a party, and they're in, they're in a, what are they doing in a submarine? But that's cool. But then there's, <laughs> then there's this song, yeah. you know, about, and it's, it's very sad, and it's, you know, the lonely people, yeah. and it's like, it, it also is so visual, and, and so, um, I listened to it this morning trying to get back to that place of, you know, a long time ago, just hearing it for, for the first few yeah. times. And it was, it was fun, you know? It, it, it's, such a, it's such an amazing song. It really is. I mean, it comes out of the gate major. You know, we have that C chord, the ah, look at all the lonely. And then we just go so yeah. dark. Dun, 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 dun. Just an amazing song. Uh, the imagery... Stunning in this song. Some of the lines that he comes up with, the keeping her face in a jar yeah. by the door, uh, yeah. takes me to my memory of this song. Do you remember when the Beatles ties came oh, out? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, like, it was like in the early 90s, the Beatles came out, like Apple came out with the Beatles ties. So as a poor kid, that was the first freaking thing that I saved money for and bought was a Beatles. Because they must have, I think they cost like $30 in the early 90s. And so I was in forensics, which in the rest of the world, I don't know if they just call it here in Nebraska. It was called forensics, but it was speech. Oh. And I used to do like, I have sinus issues. You, you can relate to that, Jay. And that was when the Vicks nasal mm -hmm. inhaler came out. And I used it so much that I thinned the lining in my nasal cavity. Anyway, I only tell you that part because I was doing speech. And when I get excited, my blood starts flowing. I start sweating, as you know. And that was the case in high school. And I had this awesome white shirt on with my yeah. Eleanor Rigby tie. And you'd flip it over and it would say Eleanor Rigby, you know. And I'm doing my speech and blood starts flowing out of my, I mean, oh, just no. flowing like the river. And I kept, I'm, I kept going and I finished the thing and I looked down and my Eleanor Rigby tie was ruined. 
but I was always known as the bloody nose guy from then, from then on. So my Eleanor Rigby tie gone <laughs> due to blood. Anyway, let's talk about the, <laughs> I thought that one would make you laugh. Let's talk about the writing, the writing of this song. Uh, We'll go into more of the writing part on our deep dive, because I think there's a lot to be found there. But let's start with what we kind of know. So Paul uh, is is vamping yeah. on an E minor chord and has this idea of just just singing over that one line. And that's kind of where he comes up with the... And that's really our first chord change that we hear in that song, you know, as he's writing in the verse. So he goes to Donovan... And I have a quote here from Donovan. We, all, we yeah. talked about Donovan and Blackbird. He says, Paul dropped by and premiered the song for him. Uh, one day I was on, on my own in the pad. <laughs> I like how he called it the pad. I was on my own in the pad, running through a few tunes on my Uher tape recorder. I, did I say that right, Jay? Sure. Yes. You I did. don't know. I, of course I did. Donovan remembers. The doorbell rang. It was Paul on his own. We jammed a bit. He played me a tune about a strange chap. The protagonist called Ola Natungi. Yeah. And the, the, it was Ola Natungi blowing his mind in the dark with a pipe full of clay. No one can say. The words hadn't come right to him. So Paul has this great idea. You know, he comes up with the melody. And then the first, he starts thinking of that Jimmy Durante like I was talking in the intro. And that's where Miss Daisy Hawkins comes about. Miss Daisy Hawkins. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. And that's really kind of the, the start of this song. They go into Kenwood, which is John's house, and they're all hanging out. And all the Beatles kind of contribute lines in this song, which, again, we'll talk about in the deep dive. And that's how the song takes shape, um, where they go into the studio in April of 1966 to record this song. Now, this is your area of expertise, Jay, so I'm going to turn it over to you. I'll just say that Paul sings on this, yeah. and we have an octet in that. And that those strings are a very unique sound. I don't think you really hear strings well on a Beatles song like that. I mean it's in the miking of it. Can you talk a little bit about how they recorded that octet? Yeah, so this is interesting. Sir. Um so so and you know, as everything with Beatle history, there's there's everybody that you talk to has their version. Um and so I think yeah. I think George Martin suggested to Paul that this is a string song. Paul's not thrilled with that, but he says, yeah. okay, as long as it's biting. That, that's the word that, that Emmerich uses that he remembers. And so, yeah, per yeah. Perfect word. And so Emmerich, Emmerich yeah. you know, files that away and, and thinks about it. And so when they get the, the octet in, um, Emmerich... They run through it. Emmerich has the the mics very close, which typically, um, typically when you're miking stringed instruments, you're not close to them. You're you're back because you want the full. You don't really want an individual sound. You want the full group sound. But he's he's close miking every instrument, all eight of them. Um, he's like a foot away from them. The string players are not happy about this because. Uh, Right. Yeah. Expose their weaknesses, yeah. And if it's you like will. you know, if yeah. if you are not yeah. playing as well as the person next to you, which is a thing, and you know, certainly in the yeah. classical world, um, they, uh, you know, you you stick out like a a sore thumb. So they hear it, um, 
And and Emmerich decides, you know what, that's not enough. And so he moves the mics even closer. He's like an <laughs> inch away. Like, uh, it's called the frog. Um, and I can't remember. I'm not very good at strings. I've never played them. But, you know, there's a frog part of your, of your you know. And so, anyway. Yeah. Bo, if you um, will. And so uh, <laughs> they get it like an inch away from the strings. And they're loving it in the control room. That's the sound that they want. But um, the string players are just, like, so unhappy about it. And every time... So they did 14 takes in recording this. Every time they would do a take, the string players would move away from the mics. Emmerich would have to go down (laughs) and move them back. And then finally, George Martin got tired of it and and just said... Right, he was like, okay, stop moving. (laughs) Yeah, which, you know, I wish... Lays the lays the string players out a little bit, but it's so effective. On anthology too, they they mm-hmm. have just the strings, and man, I mean that alone is a beautiful it, it, piece it of music. Yeah, when you listen to it, I mean you hear them, you hear McCartney singing in your head. But if you if you could just play that for any classical fan, oh, it's amazing. I mean, piece. there's so many cool lines going you know? through it with the with the second violins, and uh, yeah, it's so cool. Um, so so Martin. Martin said that he used, he was a fan of Bernard Herrmann, who composed, he, he references yeah. Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit 451 a lot, which actually came out after this. So it's been decided that right. he's incorrectly remembering and that it was Psycho, which there's definitely some Psycho That's correct. references. I'm 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 wiping off some of my deep dive stuff. That's good because there's a lot. I I knew we were gonna hit some of it in here. There's just so much totally. good stuff about this song. I, one of my one of my favorite things, um, as Paul was playing the song, uh, George hears you know the ah look at all the lonely people, but George hears that the other part of the song, the counter melody, will work against that, and that's probably one of the coolest part of the songs. I mean George really contributes to the song coming up with that counter, the counter melody. Again, which we talked about in Help is a very effective part, but this one really, yeah. man, it's really totally. effective in this one. I want to talk a little bit, you know, we've been talking about questions. you have anything else to add in the recording of the song? I know that the Beatles are double-tracked. They, uh, Paul sings the part and the Beatles come in and double track the ah look at all the lonely people part is that that's correct? from what I, yeah what from what I understand let's see so they they recorded yeah. the strings uh, two players on each track filled up all four tracks then mixed it down to a different machine putting all the strings on one track then they did um, George and John and Paul sang Paul did a lead vocal then he came back that that part you're talking about, the counterpoint at the end of the song was actually mm-hmm. like, it was a late addition. And so that was the last thing that they no added. Kidding. And they had actually already mixed it and then went in and remixed it. Also, they very sped it a little bit when they sang it. So they slowed the tape down, sang to that, and then they sped it back up to, quote, normal speed. And so their voices sound a little bit different, a little maybe, I mean, you hear it most... It's most clear on She's Leaving Home, the mono mix, where it's up like a half a step from, from you know, normal tuning. But So wow. they, did, they did just a little bit. Not very much, but they slowed it down just a hair just to change the timbre of their voices. And again, it works so well it on the song. I mean, they, 
you know, Re- Revolver is such an experimental art record. And this is like, I mean, it, it's probably not the most experimental and artistic song on there, but it's certainly like lyrically really oh. raises the bar. I mean, McCartney is really doing some amazing things on this song and the imagery that they put in, man, it just. Yeah, yeah, so it really good. is. I mean, when we re-listen to these, I mean, we've played this song a th- hundreds and hundreds of times, listened to it thousands of times probably. But, you know, when you're trying to listen to it critically, I, I don't have anything bad to say about this song. I mean, I just think it's it's a near-perfect recording. Uh, it, it does. I mean, awesome. we talk a lot about George Martin's contributions to the Beatles, and, you know, like, I Am yeah. the Walrus is amazing. But, I mean, really, I, I, I can't argue anything that he did is greater than his contribution on this song. I mean, and I listened, I listened to the, the anthology strings only version today and I'd forgotten there, you know, there's things that you don't hear because the vocal covers up. Um, but there's so many amazing lines going through that. And she's like, wow, that's, that is truly brilliant. Which and we'll talk about, you brought up, she's leaving home earlier. I mean, you know, cause Paul chose not to use George Martin as the arranger on that song because George mm-hmm. was working on something else. And it's, what a shame. I mean, not that that one's bad, but I mean, you hear the brilliance of George Martin in this song yeah. and you just go, damn, <laughs> what were you thinking, man? Uh, yeah. Definitely the fifth yeah. Beatle in this case. Yeah. Um, a question. It's, it's really a question we can't answer. I want to talk about the writing of this song. And that is that Paul tells a story about how he came up with yeah. the name Eleanor Rigby. Um, and, and I want to talk about that because I've experienced what people, you know, what the counter totally, I, is, yeah. Obviously. And I was hoping you'd talk Paul's about that because, yeah, I mean, I do because it's I, as I was researching that, you know, they talk about memories that you have and and things make impressions on you, and when you access it, you don't mm-hmm. even realize that you're referencing it. And I think that may have been what happened to Paul on this. But as he's been asked about writing this song, uh, he says that. Eleanor, he, he, as I mentioned, he had Miss Daisy Hawkins, but he wanted to change the name. So Eleanor, he claims, came from Eleanor Braun, who was the, yeah. the female star of Help. Things are not as they appear. Oh, she's, she's so good. fantastic she's so in good. that movie. My favorite, when they're doing You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, and just the little looks they're all giving her. <laughs> yeah. oh, fantastic. So he claims he took that name from her. Uh, the Rigby came from Rigby and Evans Limited, which was kind of a store that was that he and Jane Asher wine went, and spirit uh, shippers. Uh, there you go. Eleanor Rigby came from that, quote unquote. Uh, the Father Mackenzie started out as Father McCartney. Yeah. You really like that line. Uh, and Pete Shotton, who we'll talk about in the deep dive, friend of Paul's and the Beatles from Liverpool. So, so that's too close. People will get confused and think it's your dad. Real, okay. And see, I, and heard, so Paul I read claims, differently that Paul yeah. was like, no, I can't do that, dad. Yeah. Yeah. And, interesting. Yeah. So again, we're hearing yeah. these multiple yeah. stories. Um, Paul also claims that he thought, oh, it's too much like me, dad, but I like the Pete Shotten <laughs> version. So I'm putting that in this bucket. So they, he claims right. he goes to the phone book looks up McCartney, and then like one of the next names he sees is McKenzie. It becomes Father McKenzie. So that's Paul's story. He's really held on to that, like even into the 80s, eh, partially into the 90s. But somebody pointed out in the 80s um, that when the, where the, where John and Paul met, so that's in, at St. Peter's Parish Church in Liverpool. It's right on the top of a hill up there. So when John and Paul met, they were 
John was performing in the in this church, not parking lot, like a mm-hmm. field by the church. So if you can picture it in your head, I'm going to do my best to describe it. So Liverpool, there's a big there's a big hill, and at the top of this hill is this church, and kind of in the back is an open field where the where the John and Paul would have met for the first time. And if you're walking like across the street where the pub was, where Paul played uh, 20 Flight Rock for the first time. This is all memorialized, by the way, in Liverpool. Like, John and Paul met here. This is where John or Paul first played. But the walk from that, from there, to where he played 20 Flight Rock for the first time is a cemetery. And in that cemetery is a gravestone that says Eleanor Rigby, right? And it talks about her husband and her father, different names that are on there. So, you know, as the guy's telling me, my tour guide, he's like, buried along with a name, wasn't she, Billy? You know, he tells all these weird stories. Kind of a, Eleanor Rigby would have been a name that yeah, was known Yeah, it was a fairly, fairly well-known of, family uh, from what I'm reading, yeah. Yeah, and, and so she was known as kind of a spinster in the town. So Paul may not have accessed that when he was writing it, but... His parents would have talked about it. He would have heard his dad talk about Eleanor Rigby for sure. So when you take three steps away from Eleanor Rigby's grave, I mean, you can take a picture where it's mm-hmm. Father Mackenzie, and then in the background will be Eleanor Rigby. I mean, it's just the, Occam's <laughs> razor, Jay. I mean, the, there's no way they didn't know about it. I mean, from literally where they met each other for the first time and where Paul played 20 Flight Rock to get into the Beatles, they walk past a cemetery that has both Eleanor Rigby and Father Mackenzie in it. I mean, I really it, like it, that it, story. It just sounds it's cooler. amazing, yeah. You know, it's who knows if they made it up, though? I mean, those are the things you don't know. It's like in Liverpool, did somebody go, holy shit, listen, mate, if we put a Father <laughs> Mackenzie? Sure, you know, yeah. But... I, um, it's that's our big question that really can't be answered. Paul has said, "Yeah, there's probably three thousand Eleanor Rigby's in the phone." It's like, mm-hmm. right. right? Yeah, it's just it, it, it's a little too. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going with that story as opposed to making <laughs> stuff up. All right, so that's that one. Rolling Stone, our friends at Rolling Stone, the twenty third oh. best Beatles song okay. according to Rolling Stone is. Um, Okay. The Abbey Road Medley, which we've talked about some of that in here. 22 is Eleanor Rigby, and 21 is All You Need Is Love. I think that's a pretty proper yeah. placement of those songs. Uh, this song is a double A side, the only singles released off of Revolver, which I had to look that up and go, really? These were yeah. the only two singles? Was was Yellow Submarine and Eleanor Rigby. Uh, what a weird combo. But as you talked about, makes sense in a really odd way. But I don't. Are there any other two songs you would have picked off of Revolver no. to be the hits? Y- right. Yeah. Exactly. That's what's weird about it. Eleanor Rigby, a number one hit in uh, in the UK, so that's mm-hmm. why it's on the Ones album. Uh, it was like a number eleven in the US. All right, let's get to the deep dive, Jay. It's a pretty <laughs> deep dive here, bud. I'll start. You okay. you c- come in at any time. Uh, Jane, Jane Asher, uh, Paul's girlfriend at the time, uh, which is where he wrote the song again in their basement, in the Asher family basement, uh, was really into Vivaldi. And I think that's when, when uh, that's where the biting came from, that, that kind of Vivaldi sound, the aggressive mm-hmm. strings, mm-hmm. if you will, came from there. Jay, what um, did you find in the deep dive? Let's see. I've kind of covered most of it. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, just random stuff. Two of the players... 
-hmm. played on yesterday, two of the string players. Of the string players? Yeah. I didn't write their names down. Awesome. I should have. Yeah. Didn't know um, that. Okay. Here's something you can help me with. The, the original stereo mix of this song is mixed kind of oddly. I don't know if you heard that listening in your headphones today. Uh, but pre-remasters, pre-remixes, Paul is vocal in the verse isn't hard in the right channel. And the strings are hard in the left channel. So they're hard panned, and then in the, stair in, in the chorus, they come together and then pan again. That was all fixed or changed when they did all the remixes. Yeah, they used ADT a lot on, on Paul's voice in the, quote, chorus, but not on the verse, allegedly. But yeah, you hear one like, after all the lonely people, Ele when he sings Eleanor, you hear it pan, and it's... <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's not stellar. Um, I mean, must have bothered yeah, them for I, I a could while. See why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was fixed in all of the remixes and the remasters. I love it when you're when you're reading about these songs and you see it's like, well, this is a, a mode mixture between Aeolian and Dorian. I that means nothing to me, but I'm sure somebody out there is like, oh yeah. <laughs> it, it is one of the one of the few. Beatle Dorian songs. <laughs> well, can, do, are there any other Dorian? I know John has a Dorian um, song or two, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jerry Lieber of Lieber and Stoller said, The Beatles are second to none in all departments. I don't think there has ever been a better song written than Eleanor Rigby. That's high praise that from cool someone who's written a lot of... on the deep dive. <laughs> Pretty amazing Ama songs. Some of the yeah. best songs ever. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a statue of Eleanor Rigby in Liverpool. Yeah, you I can saw go that visit. today. I, I didn't realize that. I didn't see it, but I thought that was kind of nice. Ringo, uh, Ringo contributed the darning his socks in the night line. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. So on the deep dive, when, the, when they went to Kenwood, evidently Paul just had... Um, just the line, Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in a church where a wedding has been. Bean. Bean. And they all go to John's house. And so at that at that party are the Beatles and Pete Shotton. So Pete was, I think Pete might have I think, yeah, been I think he a was quarry a quarry man. man. Uh, maybe. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's how far back they go. So Paul's like, I've got this song. Let's throw out ideas. Ringo contributes mm -hmm. the line that you said. Uh, Pete Shotton recommends Father Mackenzie and also recommended that they mm -hmm. meet in the end again, that Father Mackenzie and Eleanor Rigby come back together to meet. I thought that was cool. John mm -hmm. hated that. And Paul got so pissed at that, he grabbed his guitar and left and said, fuck off, John, and left. He got so mad. That was the quote, by the way. Fuck off. Wow. That. I'd never heard that. But George contributed the all, ah, no. look at all the lonely people. That was George's con contribution. And then when they go to record it, I think there were parts that, that were still missing. And evidently, this is a weird story that you hear, that Paul comes in and like throws the lyrics at Neil and Mal. Did you well, see John, this anyway? Yeah, John's story is that, and yeah, John, he throws at yeah. Neil and Mal and John and says, finish this. And, and then is like, yeah, that's why I kind of left the Beatles, because that's how Paul treated people. I, I, I had never either. really heard that. That was, that was interesting. an interesting. Yeah, and so, so John claims, you know, that it's 70% his lyric. And and Paul and Pete yeah. Shotton are like, yeah, you maybe did like half a Zero. line. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. said half a line. John was notorious for that. <laughs> 
Oh, he did the whole line. There's no question. <laughs> oh, oh, he did the whole Sorry, damn line. There are also amazing covers of this song. Ray Charles covers it, Four Tops, Aretha Franklin, I just listened Joan to Baez, one called uh, by Bobby a guy Gentry named Alf. Don Sugarcane Harris the other day. He's a string player. How was that? Pretty cool. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, the the like soul versions <laughs> of this are. song are hot. I mean, you got to listen to that Ray Charles version. I'm looking all the lonely. All right. Uh, lonely People by America is considered a, uh, like the positive version of this song. I thought that was cool. You know how I like America, <laughs> Jay. All right. So this is, mm-hmm. this is my take. This is not the only time we hear this line from Paul that we have in this song. So when you see him play it live, he's always got his acoustic now. He's like, ah. There's me switching between Aeolian and Dorian again, I guess. But in the in the verse of the song, you have the that little yeah. Where do we hear Where do we hear that again, Jay? Ah. When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide, and I stop and I turn and I go back. So he's referencing himself, well, you know, bit, isn't he? Lennon does that a Same lot key. too. He's he's way into the and you know something does it too. George does it too. Yeah, there's yeah. It's just a nice little. Uh, I thought that was to have a Paul song where he's in the same key doing it in the same line. That's I thought super that was a cool. cool. I'd never oh, put that together. I see, nice. I, I see that there, Pony. I don't know if I, I love that, that, that George thought it was uh, Fahrenheit 451. You mentioned that earlier, but he was actually referencing Psycho. And when you, if, if you're, I, we have, I know that we have some listeners out there like Psycho, what the hell is that? But it, it's an Alfred Hitchcock movie, if you will. And then all the death scenes, you really hear that in yeah. the dun, 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 in the Eleanor Rigby. All right. Let's talk about yeah. Planet Live. I'm going to leave that up to you because I don't do a damn thing. I'm usually, uh, you know, <laughs> going to the bathroom. You get to take a break on this. So, yeah, so we use uh, we use two keyboards. Uh, my brother Matthew plays one string part while Jay's peeing. And uh, Tara would play the other string part, and then we'd all sing it. Um, that part is is fine. It's really the stories that we get for the request for this song. I, I only okay. singled out three. <laughs> The one, the one, the first one, and I put them in my order of favorites. N- number three was the girl. She was like, "This is a reason." I'll, again, if you're new to our podcast, we do a show called Yesterday and Today, where we don't dress like the Beatles. We just play their all their songs. But the crowd makes the request, and they have to fill out a request card with their name, favorite Beatles song, reason why they chose the song. Anyway. So her name, I don't remember, but a reason, she wanted to hear Eleanor Rigby. And she said, I love to jog to this song. And I just thought that was the odd. And so as we were singing, like, ah, look at all the lonely people. And on the dun, 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 Oh, yeah. See, I, see, I, I was, I was going, so, I was like, like <laughs> okay, so, you know, you're not doing any high interval impact. Yeah, no, she was, dun, 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 you're, you're doing a marathon at that pace. So, yeah, yeah okay, I just, right. interesting. <laughs> yeah, she's a sprinter. <laughs> Uh, we played uh, one of our first tours of the South. We played in North Carolina, and uh, I'm not. Were you with us on that one, Jared? That was, was. The, again, <laughs> the dark times. Anyway, we're in this place, and the guy that <laughs> the guy that requested Eleanor Rigby's name was Ed White. I don't know why I remember that. And this guy stands up, and he's like six four, and everybody kind of it's you know we're in North Carolina. And everybody kind of looks around. And he's like. I don't know why he stood up. He just did. And everybody kind of looks at him. And his reason was it reminds me of work. 
And I was like, oh, what do you do for work? And he didn't say anything. And this lady goes, he's the undertaker. <laughs> I don't know why that killed me. He's the undertaker. <laughs> but my all-time favorite, my all-time favorite request of the song, we're in, uh, in Omaha at, our, <laughs> at the Omaha Playhouse and... They were sitting in the back row of that little theater. I'll never forget it. And the guy requested, he said, it makes me think of my wife. And I thought, well, this is a really depressing, sad song. I was like, oh, is she no longer with us? You know, I didn't know what to say. And he just goes, no, she's right here. And I was like, not for long. So it's a fun one to play live. If you're going to do it, it's really tough to sing. McCartney's... And, and I think it's because of the very sped action of it. It's, it sits in a really weird spot. I think it's a hard one. As I listen to myself, because we have a couple live recordings, I'm like, oh, I don't <laughs> sing that one very well when my throat yeah, is it's, tired. It's not easy. I agree. <laughs> it's not an easy one. Um, but there's a, there's a bunch of great stuff out there on this song. Just go to YouTube. There's isolated McCartney vocals. There's this, this, just the strings. Thousands of people covering this song. We love it. We know you do, too. It's now time to rate this song, Jay. So as always, I defer um, to you, my friend. I mean, I, you know, I rarely give a Beatles song a bad mark. And so I'm going to go 9-2, which maybe feels low. But um, the thing I enjoyed today just in researching was listening to that string part by by itself that was so amazing and then just yeah. just hearkening back ooh there's a word that doesn't get used enough i hearkened um mm. to when i when i heard it as a child and it was just it it was so cool and it's i mean that's part of why you know that's part of why i'm talking about the beatles nearly 50 years later personally is because of you know yeah what this song did to my little 5 year old mind so it, it blew that five-year-old's mind, man. <laughs> Jay Hansen gives it a 9.2. I'm going to go 9.5 on this one. Uh, George Martin really beefs this one up. I think the George Martin contribution to this song is really amazing. George's contribution uh, with yeah. the ah, look at all the lonely people. Of course, Ringo darning his socks in the night. When there's nobody there, what an image again. Totally. But I'm going to leave you with this. Um, Keeping her face in a jar by the door. Uh, so Maybe amazing. one of the coolest Beatle lines. Definitely McCartney's top three lines in any song he's ever written. So much depth to that. It, it could mean so much to so many different people. I mean, England has kind of grasped onto it as like that middle class sensibility where behind closed doors, you don't have an identity. Deep. Very deep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Such an amazing line. I'm pausing because you've frozen. Yeah, you're Are frozen you too. Is it me? Hello, Jay. What an anticlimactic It is ending. me. Oh, no. I'm we coming really back to frozen. you. We're going to have to edit this. Oh, God, I've lost you. Come back to me. I've lost you. No, I'm kidding. There you are. I'm oh, back. Oh, there you are. I don't know what Hi. happened there. Sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, truly one of my favorite McCartney lines, the keeping her face in a jar by the door. In, in our revolution in the head, they say something that's really kind of uh, cool. <laughs> Before my internet went out there, I was trying to paraphrase it. So that gave me a chance to remember that it was in the book here. Uh, 
The novelist A.S. Byatt, for whom this lyric displays the minimalist perfection of a Beckett story, points out that Eleanor's face being kept in a jar by a mirror, it would suggest the less disturbing idea of makeup. Instead, the image implies that behind her door, inside her house, Miss Rigby is faceless, is nothing. Yeah. One line in Eleanor Rigby with that much depth. And I mean, he goes further. Uh, it's just a great, great song. So it's a fun one, Jay. It's always fun. Totally. Yeah. To those of you who are listening to us, thank you so much. Please keep subscribing or listening. I don't, we don't know what those words mean. We just know that we have over a thousand of you out there listening to this podcast every other week. And that oh, is amazing. unbelievable to us. I think when we yeah, started, it was yeah. like four thank people you. and thank we you. were two of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you for listening out there. We are not sponsored by anybody, um, you know. But we didn't have power before. Now we have a thousand of you out there. <laughs> yeah. You can find us on all of the uh, social media platforms uh, by our names. I'm Billy McWiggin. Jay Hansen is known as the Tone Poet. So you'll find him out there. But I'm on Twitter. And so some of you send me questions and requests. Send me another one when you hear this, and we'll probably put it in the show. So until next time, Jay Hansen, we've been looking through the glass onion. Yeah. yeah. Au revoir. Au revoir.